0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Student Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash student ministries. We're going to be looking at David's Life Journals, the book of Psalms. We're going to be spending a few weeks looking at the Psalms. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of an idea, um, a lot of these, a, a number of these, 14 in particular, are specific to some time in David's life, a specific instance, a situation, something that David's going through, and he's writing in his journal. And so uh, we're able to see the uh, historical documentation of what happened on the outside, what he was going through in his life, and the historical books. In 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, um, a little bit, but primarily 2 Samuel, we're able to see what is David going through in his life, what's happening on the outside in David's life. But the Psalms are David pouring out his emotions during those times. We're able to read the Psalms and see how is David feeling when these things happen to him in 1 and 2 Samuel. And so we're going to take a look at that. Knowing the uh, what's happening in First and Second Samuel, we're able to read into David's emotions and maybe connect with some of the things that he's going through. I'm not really great with title. I'm not. I'm not the most creative person. So you guys will get to know me and you will learn that I'm not the most creative person. I was trying to think of you know like um, a title, a deeper look inside. You know, of, you know, just this idea of what was David feeling thought that was kind of weird. Um, so you're, you're just going to have to deal with David's life journals. That's what you got. Um, and I'm not great with sermon titles. Not, you know, the, the greatest with creativity again. And so um, I'll give you a topic. And so if you're taking notes, if you're writing anything, I want to talk to you guys tonight about what dealing with anxiety and fear in your life. The things that are going on that are daunting on you. That, that is uh, maybe stressful and weighing down on you. I want to talk about the things that... Uh, You know that that thing that comes up in your mind and then you all of a sudden get a pit in your stomach and you're like, I don't want to think about that right now. I want to think about something else, right? Or um, growing up, who's ever heard uh, your mom say, just wait until your dad gets home and talks to you, right? (laughs) That anxiety that is just looming over you, yeah. I want to talk about anxiety. I I remember whenever um, I was a kid. I remember whenever I was a kid, I had this goat cart, and this is uh, malpractice. is not the right way to do it, but I had a goat cart that didn't have any brakes. The brakes were cut. I know. So do not drive a goat cart. I want to tell that now. Disclaimer to all you, do not drive a goat cart if it doesn't have brakes. I did, Um, and so I was just taught, uh, well, since we don't have brakes on this, take that into consideration when you're driving, right? Don't go into a dead-end place because, well, it's a dead-end, and you can't stop, and so Wherever you're driving, make sure that you have an avenue out. Uh, I thought I was doing that. I was driving one day, this go-kart. I was young, um, maybe going into middle school, but maybe before. And we we had this family get-together at my house, okay? And so there was a lot of my cousins, my aunt, my uncles, my grandparents. All these people were here, and they had all their cars lined up going down my driveway. I'm driving the go-kart going down that, and if you guys have... Um, those, like, those dogs that just chase every car going by. I had one of those dogs, Sheila. She was my best friend, by the way. I just love Sheila. And um, she, she ran after every car. And she was chasing my go kart at the time. So I had cars lined up down my right side. I had Sheila on my left side. And now I had no exit because I had a barn right in front of me. And you all know I'm not about to hit my dog. I wasn't about to scratch up Uncle Richard's truck, and so I just closed my eyes. I just closed my eyes. I mean, what else are you going to do? And um, put my feet on, no, I'm in in a cage in this go-kart, and I I just smash into this barn. I go straight through the barn, and I'm inside the barn at this point. And the first thing I thought was, oh, when my dad gets home, oh. And the anxiety was there. I and not to take away any um, the reality of anxiety when you're a kid. Kid anxiety is is a legitimate thing. When your dad gets home, that's scary. But when you start to get older, right? When you guys start to get in middle school, when you get in high school, when you become uh, uh, realities become to become more well real. Anxieties become more serious. Right? The things that you're worried about become uh, much more daunting, much more scary. The things become more real and more serious and perceptive. And so I want to talk about dealing with our anxieties in our life. David had them, and we're able to read in Psalm three that's what we're going to be looking at tonight an anxiety that David was going through. I want to give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on in 2 Samuel. I told you the historical, the, the background of what's going on in David's life we're able to read in Second Samuel. Well, David, while writing Psalm 3, while writing this, he's being chased by his son. David at this time is the king of Israel. He's the king of the nation, but his son believes that he can do it better, right? And so Absalom is his son's name, and he is actually trying to go and kill David, his his dad, He's trying to take this throne away from his dad. And if you know the life of David, this isn't the first time that has happened to David. David, at a young age, he was prophesied over. He was anointed to be the future king of Israel. And because of that, the king at that time, Saul, wanted to kill him because he felt threatened about this throne. And so David had to deal with that. And now now that he is, David is king now, he's having to deal with his son trying to kill him for the throne. You guys ever have those situations in life that just feel like they, they might come in different ways, different, you know, from different people, but it's like you're going through the same thing. You're dealing with the same situation, the same problem, and you can't remember life without having that in your life, this situation, and it's overwhelming. It's exhausting, and the guilt or the the um, anxiety or the 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 pain. Right? Or maybe you can remember a time whenever it wasn't going on in your life, but you sure wish that you could be out of it right now. That's David. That's, in, that's while he's writing Psalm 3. His own son is trying to kill him for his throne. And not only is he trying to kill him, but he has ran him out of the palace. And, and David is out running in the wilderness, hiding from his son in his own nation. David is the king, and he is hiding in caves. And so that is the situation that we are reading, the context that we're reading in, in Psalm 3. And so let me go ahead and start reading. You guys can read along here in this Psalm, starting in verse 1. He says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. and you break the teeth of the wicked. Verse 8 Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing on your people. I think there's a progression that's going on here, and I kind of want to acknowledge it. First, he has the first two verses, if you guys are looking at it still, and you can throw it back up actually. If you're looking at the text in front of you, the first two verses are just expressions of fear, of overwhelming anxiety. God, there's people all around me. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's no salvation in me, uh, for me. This is what people are saying of him. He's just expressing to God in the first two verses overwhelming anxiety, but he moves from that in verse three, from verse three to six, an expression of just a realization that God is there with him, that God is Is a caring God and God has taken care of me, take care of him. Excuse me. He says, God, you're my shield though. God, I'm able to fall asleep and wake back up. You're you sustain me. And then he moves to the last portion, verse seven and eight. And not only is he able to realize that God takes care of him, and that God is a caring God in his overwhelming situation, but he's able to call on God to make it better. He's able to call on God to do an amazing work in his life. And if it's anything that I really want to express tonight, anything that I want to uh, tell you about this psalm is that David, regardless of the situation in his life, regardless of how overwhelming his situation is, regardless of what verses one and two say, by the end of the psalm, he's able to call on God to do a work in his life. And I would like to present to you guys tonight that regardless of the situation that we're going through, regardless of what it is in your life that you get a pit in your stomach when you think about it, regardless of whatever it is that you're overwhelmed about. You're able to call on God to do an amazing work and to change your circumstances. How great is our God that we can call on him to change the difficult situations that we're in? He, he allows us to call on him to do that. And so I want to talk about that tonight. That's not where David starts, though. He starts in verse 1 and 2 talking about what he's overwhelmed by. He says in verse 1, all my enemies are everywhere. All my enemies are everywhere. And we know that that is true if you look at 2 Samuel 15. Absalom, I told you about his son that's trying to overthrow him. Absalom has gotten the vast majority of Israel on his side. Now David is the king of a nation where almost nobody is a support of him. David is running a nation where almost everyone is against him. So whenever he says, God, so many are my foes, these aren't just foes from outside. These are people that are supposed to be his friends, his countrymen, people that are supposed to, he's supposed to be a leader of. He says, God, so many are my foes. And then he says, many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him. If you go to the next chapter in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 16 in verse 8, we see the story of a man that comes out of his house while David is walking out in the wilderness. A man comes out of his house and he starts throwing stones at David. And he says, you don't deserve the throne anymore. That throne is Absalom's. That's your son's throne. You don't deserve that anymore. And really at this time, that's speaking a lot into Not only David's position as king, but it's speaking into his salvation. That's speaking in, I mean, he is the king over God's people, God's nation. And so whenever you lose that position, he's speaking into David's salvation. This man says, you are no longer our king. That throne belongs to Absalom. He literally had people saying that he had no salvation in God. He had a place where he should have had people that cared about him. He should have had a place where he had belonging, right? He was anointed over to be the great king of Israel, and so he had a great hope to be the king where people supported him. How many times do we have, a pl- have hope where we didn't get anything what we were hoping for? But he moves from this position, he moves from this state of being overwhelmed and talking about what he's overwhelmed by, to verse three, and he shifts it to recognizing God has cared for me in the past. God has cared for me in the past. In verse three, he says, Lord, you're my shield, the lifter of my head. David was walking up a mountain, weeping whenever he found out that his son was trying to kill him. But God lifts his head. What a beautiful symbolism of how God lifts our head from grief to a point of praising him. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and sleep, and I can wake again, for the Lord sustained me. This literally happened as well. I mean, we can follow through the text of 2 Samuel this whole time. This is literally happening. David is asleep at one point, and the Lord is caring for him at his most vulnerable state. When he is sleeping, and David wakes up, and he's able to escape from Absalom, attacking him. God sustained him even in his most vulnerable times, the times that we aren't able to protect ourselves, the times where we can't do anything to protect ourselves. God sustains us, and David remembers that. Verse 6, I love this. He says, I will not be afraid of the many thousands of people against me. Just a few verses ago, he was saying, God, there's so many people around me. God, many are my foes. He literally had the majority of the nation against him. But now, where he was overwhelmed about that very thing, a few verses later, he's able to say, I have no fear. Why? Because a few verses before, he's saying, you've taken care of me in the past. God, you've been my sustainer. God, you've lifted my head in my situations in the past. God, I'm able to remember when you've taken care of me. So now, those things that I was talking about in verse one of so many are my foes, I will not fear because I'm able to remember what you've done in my past. And then he moves from this place of realizing God is a caring God. And God is his sustainer. He moves from this to verse 7 and 8 and this is really where I wanted to camp out for a second he's able to express hope and a desire for his circumstances to be changed he's able to express to God, God I want you to actually do something for the future I know you've sustained me in the past I know you've taken care of me in the past when this kind of thing has happened but that's not going to stop me from calling on you to help me now in my situation in the present and so he says in verse 7 arise O lord save me O my god he says for you strike my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked i love the way that david calls on god to help him in his situation and this is huge he says in verse 7 you strike all my enemies on their cheeks this you're able to see um it's goes all the way through the New Testament and it happens in the Old Testament with the kings striking somebody on the cheek was a symbol that they should speak truth in front of everyone else that it should be they should be able to admit what they're lying about in front of public people tried striking Jesus on his cheek whenever he was saying that he was the savior and that he was the messiah striking somebody on the cheek was a challenge saying speak the truth in front of everybody. You're lying and speak the truth. David says, Lord, you, you strike the cheek of all my enemies. Absalom, David's son, was going around to the whole nation saying, I'm the rightful king. David isn't the rightful king anymore. And all these people, the rest of the nation, were backing Absalom up about that. And he says, Lord, you strike my enemies on the cheek. You push for the truth. To be told, you push for Absalom not to be telling lies, but that your truth would prevail. And not only will you strike my enemies on the cheek, but he says you break the teeth of the wicked. We see this in Job, and in other places in the Old Testament. Breaking the teeth of the wicked or of lions—it's sometimes said—is whenever somebody's wanting their opposition to be be rendered powerless. Whenever you say, God, break the teeth of this lion in my life, he's saying, God, make sure that there's no more damage that happens in my life. Take away their teeth to where they can't bite me. He says, God, break the teeth of the wicked to where there can't be any more pain in my life. There can't be, they can't hurt me any more than they already have. Take away their bite. Break their teeth. So notice what David is calling on God to do. He's not calling on God to retaliate. He's not calling on God to kill his enemies. He's not calling on God to wipe out. His son, he loves his son. I think this, this prayer is a model to us. He's not praying for any of that, any destruction. What he's praying for is that God's truth would prevail and that there would be more no, no more damage in the situation. That God's truth would reign. People would follow God's truth. They would know God's truth, what God's will is for who's the king. They would know what God wants and that no one else would be hurt. What a model prayer. What an exemplary prayer for us whenever we're going through things, whenever we're in situations with people in our lives and relationships. What do our prayers look like? Are they, God, let your truth reign and please take away any more pain, take away any hurt that's still happening. God, don't let this continue. Don't let this pain happen. That's David's prayer. So David calls this prayer God. And then he finishes with verse 8. Let me read it really quick. He says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing shall be on your people. That's how he finishes this prayer. Salvation in the Old Testament wasn't regularly this eternal hell or this um, eternal heaven. It wasn't this afterlife. When they're talking about salvation a lot of the time it's talking about what they're going through that heaven on earth this idea of of heaven on earth that, that we can have salvation in our lives right now that when we're living through right now we can find salvation and whenever they went through tough times or they went into exile they went through dark times this was an idea of condemnation David was in this time of hell on earth David was being attacked by his own son, and he was pushed out of his own throne, leading the people of God. David was literally living this hell on earth. And I don't know what your situations are right now, but maybe it's a little bit of hell on earth. That what you're going through is just weighing on you. And you more recognize with verse 1 and 2, saying, God, there's so many against me. There's so much against me. I have all this stuff against me. But if we can move to this, this second part of realizing God's care for us, that God is there for us, that he loves us, and that he, he will sustain us, that he is able to lift up our head when our head is down. And then not only find that realization, but then move on to the last two verses and pray, God, let there be no more pain. Take away the pain, God, and let your truth rain, bring truth in the situation that your your words would illuminate what's going on in my life and that you would bring truth into my life and you would help me in whatever I need help in, God. Whatever you're going through, maybe it is a lot like David, but I would encourage you to pray like David in that situation. Something important about David that I want to talk about When David wrote this psalm, he didn't have anything figured out. David didn't write this psalm when his problems were fixed. God did end up fixing him and he took away this opposition, Absalom attacking him. God did take care of David's problem, but when David wrote this psalm, Psalm 3, when he's writing, God, there's so much against me. God, I don't know what to do. He wrote this when there was no answer yet but he was able to write when he had no answer God I trust that you will lift my head God I trust that you will sustain me God your salvation is for me and your blessings are for me I don't know what it is that you're going through the the thing that brings a pit in your stomach or the thing that's just weighing down on you That's overwhelming you anytime you think about it, the stress, whatever it is that maybe you can't remember the last time that you didn't struggle with it. Or you can, but you sure wish that you didn't have to deal with that right now. And that you wish that you could find some way out. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. Because God brings salvation to our situations. That God brings salvation in the current and how we're living right now. God desires to bring blessing to people that are seeking it. People that look to God. You guys can you guys can come to the, to the leaders, seek support from them, or you guys can come to the altar, you guys can stay at the seat, but whatever it is. I encourage you guys, take advantage of this time with God, that whatever that is that you have on your mind now, a lot of you guys have a lot of different things on your mind whenever you think of what you're overwhelmed with. There's a million different things represented, but whatever it is that you're dealing with, I encourage you guys to bring that to the Lord. Present that to God and surrender that to Him. Whatever you're overwhelmed with, whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're worried about, whatever... You have fear over whatever it is that is daunting on you. I encourage you to surrender that to the Lord. Bring that to the cross. Bring that to the altar. Because he brings salvation to your situations. And he brings blessing to his people. Would you guys stand with me? Let's worship. Take advantage of the opportunity to be able to pray with the leaders. Take advantage of the front. The front really is just a representation. If you, to kneel at the altar is a representation that God, I don't care that other people know I'm not perfect. I don't care that there's people seeing me kneel down knowing that I'm going through something because I care that much that you would work in my life. I care more that you're going to work in my situation, that you can do an amazing work just like you did in David's, that you will do an amazing work in mine. I care so much more about that than I care about people seeing me kneel down and say, I'm not perfect. That's what the altar is. And so if that's you tonight. And you care more about God working in your life. I would encourage you to take advantage of that or take advantage of one of the leaders. But please do not pick to try to look perfect. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, We invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.